It will come as uh, no surprise to you that I find the stories in the Bible infinitely fascinating. They're just full of ideas about how human beings are, who we are, how we are with one another, interacting sometimes in ways that are helpful and fulfilling, and sometimes not. The, the, from beginning to end, the Bible is, is filled with these wonderful stories about what it means to be human. You, you, for example, you really don't have to know much more about the relationship between sin and desire than to know about Adam and Eve. And they get better after that. Today's uh, gospel, of course, contains two very familiar stories about Jesus. The feeding of the 5,000, the, the miracle of the multiplication of the loaves and Jesus walking on water. They, the uh, multiplication of the loaves actually appears six times in the gospels, uh, twice, uh, in all four of, of the gospels, and twice as uh, the feeding of the 4,000. So obviously that's a story that meant an awful lot to the early Christian community and to us. Well, uh, Jesus walking on water appears three times, and each time it immediately follows the feeding of the 5,000. So what are we to make of these? I mean, we could talk, the truth of it is we could go on for a long time about either of these. So let me just hit a few high spots. Obviously, both are miracle stories, um, the stories of the miraculous working of Jesus in the, in the, in the world, in the community. Uh, miracles are uh, sometimes seem a little distant to us. We're after, after all, we're rational people, and, uh, and, and so everything has to always add up for us, and miracles seem otherwise. But I would submit that uh, there are way many more miracles around us than we, take, than we acknowledge. I know a, 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 a third grader who couldn't spell her own name and yet was transformed into a high school student with straight A's. I know a college graduate whose apartment was littered with empty beer cans, yet it was turned into a study for a PhD candidate in biophysics. And you could think of lots of examples in terms of health issues or uh, uh, wellness issues. And it doesn't always go the way we want it to go, absolutely. But often enough, there are miracles all, all around us. So, so these can be seen as miracle stories, but they're much deeper and much more profound than that. They carry uh, much more weight metaphorically and symbolically than they do as, as miracle stories. Uh, the, the early Christians who, who heard these stories heard echoes of the uh, Hebrew Bible in both. Many echoes, actually, of the Hebrew Bible in both. In the feeding of the 5,000, there's an echo of Moses feeding manna to the, to the pilgrims in the wilderness, to the Israelites in the wilderness. There's an echo there's a, of, of the good shepherd who brings his sheep to green pasture. There's an echo of, of, uh, of uh, the first uh, lesson that we read about, uh, from, about Elisha. On and on about how the people are fed, fed physically but fed metaphorically by the word of God fed spiritually, in addition to physically. The, uh, the uh, uh, time that uh, the recounting of Christ walking on water 
uh, also has echoes from the Hebrew scriptures. Uh, uh, people, first century Christians who heard this story would remember immediately that Moses also tamed the water and spread the, the, the Red Sea so that the Israelites could, go, could walk to freedom on, on dry land. And more than that, they would remember that it was the Spirit of God who hovering over the deep that separated the, the dry land from the sea, making order out of chaos. Christ makes order out of chaos. You can go on for a long time with this. There's also a sacramental aspect of all of this. These two episodes are put together for a purpose. They may have happened sequentially historically, but I doubt that. I think they're put together by the, by the evangelist to make a point. In John's gospel, there's a lengthy uh, passion narrative, a lengthy Last Supper, but nowhere in that Last Supper does John remember Jesus as saying, uh, taking the bread, blessing it, and giving it disciples and saying, do this in remembrance of me. John doesn't remember that. But John does remember that at the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus took the bread and blessed it and gave it to the people. John's remembrance of the first Eucharist, not in a small room with his friends, but in an open field with thousands. Similarly, the early Christians would have seen something of baptism in the uh, idea of walking across the water. The baptism, you know, to an early Christian was a fearful idea. You, you ran afoul of Rome. I mean, it was a crazy thing to do to go get baptized and to admit it. And so it was fearful. You know, it's, it's, it's um, a little frightening for us if we take seriously everything we agree to do in baptism, but much more so for those early Christians. So they would see in Jesus coming across the water and bringing the disciples to the dry land, they would see also a, a, a baptismal event of Jesus bringing the disciples to new life and protecting them against danger. Even in that, there's more. Jesus said, to, when, when the disciples uh, saw him coming, Jesus said, it is I, do not be afraid. Actually, he didn't, if you look at the Greek, he didn't say it is I, he said, I am. I am is what God said to Moses in the burning bush. And it's a, it's a, it's a, a refrain over and over again in John's gospel, Jesus identifying as God, Yahweh, I am. So there's, some, so there's a sacramental piece to this too. What I find most, fat, most interesting is the fact that after the feeding of the 5,000, the people wanted to make Jesus king. And Jesus fled because he didn't want to be a king, or at least not their kind of king. I think the implication here for early Christians and perhaps for us is that they saw in Jesus a latter-day Moses who provides bread for the people, who, makes the, who, who can, commands the waters, and therefore someone who could 
give power to the powerless, could challenge the powerful in their day. A laudable thing to want to do, but not what Jesus wanted to do. Jesus' kingdom wasn't the kind of kingdom that gives power. It's the kind of kingdom that gives love. His kingdom is of a, was of a totally different sort. And so whereas the people, good people, legitimate people, ordinary folks wanted their kind of kingdom, wanted to expel the Rome, wanted all the things that one might expect. Jesus wanted none of that because his kingdom was all about the way God would have the world be. God's kingdom, that time or place or state of being where the law of might makes right is trumped by the law of love. Or to paraphrase Abraham Lincoln, where right makes might. So he turned his back on them then because their motives were not his motives. Their ideals about power were not his ideals about love. If you think about it, the real hero in this story of the feeding of the 5,000 is the boy. Here's a young fellow whose mother packed his lunch so he could go out and hear Jesus. And somebody comes up to him and says, we need your food, can you give us your food? Now, I don't know about you, but I would have trouble with that. I'd be hungry too, right? But instead he did, he gave, he gave his food. And the, the, the act of giving away something created something even greater. The act of generosity it is what made the miracle possible. The act of surrendering what was his made the feeding of 5,000, or a large number, possible, real, actual. The, the boy is us. The boy is us. We who are so blessed in so many ways are asked to be generous all the time, to give of ourselves, to not hold back, to serve, not to be served. There's a lot packed into these stories. Maybe we should do some Bible study sometime. Maybe this, um, maybe this fall we'll do a Bible study on something. Maybe the great stories of Genesis or something. I don't know. I'll, I'll come back to you on that. But, but these stories are magnificent stories because you can find little things like the boy who gave up his lunch so that the world could be fed. His world could be fed. And maybe that's the most important message for us. Just as in communion, God takes the bread and blesses it and gives it to the world, so God takes us and blesses us and gives us to the world. If we, a life that isn't a life of service, at least in some respect, a life that isn't 
service to others at, in some way, somehow, is pointless. And that, I think, is what Jesus meant when he said, the one who would save his life will lose it, and the one who would lose his life for the sake of the gospel will save it, and save it abundantly. Amen.